0: Welcome to master your money, the podcast that teaches you how to take control of your hard earned money all while living your best life. I am your host, Elizabeth Heiza, chief marketing officer at the Barnum Financial Group. I once felt powerless when it came to managing my finances and my attitude follows suit until one day I changed my mindset, built up my knowledge and put myself back into a financial position of power. And I started this podcast to provide you with the same education and advice that I received on my journey. Now, I wanna help you master your money. All right, Hello, Master Your Money listeners. Welcome to this week's show. I am here with my colleague and dear, dear friend, Amelia Nathanson. Amelia is the vice president of operations at Barnum she has been with the firm for over 12 years. And in those 12 years, I have never seen someone handle so many things. And she's had so many different roles and has excelled at every single one of them. But she's been the VP of Ops now for five years? Almost seven. Almost seven years. So she's been the VP of Ops for seven years now and is just doing an amazing job in that role. So I am thrilled to have her on the show. Um, This is going to be a fun conversation about something that's never really talked about. We really don't talk a lot about life insurance underwriting and what that process entails. Um, and Master Your Money is all about helping our clients master their finances. And life insurance is a big piece of mastering your finances. Um, and the underwriting process is a big piece of life insurance. So I want listeners to walk away feeling good and confident about what life insurance underwriting is and how they could maximize it. And that is where Amelia spends her time all day, every day and her team. Amelia runs a pretty big team at the firm who all day, every day, spend their time bringing clients through the underwriting process and educating them along the way. So she is going to share her wealth of knowledge with all of us. And I cannot wait. So Amelia. Thank you, and welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me, and thank you for that
1: wonderful intro. Uh, Definitely, definitely some tips and insights that we're going to share today about the process as a whole. Absolutely something uh, we don't focus on, per se, in terms of the process and what the expectations are. Things just seem to come up throughout the process. Yeah. So really giving that overview to the listeners, I think, will be very helpful at taking maybe the tension meter down about what they're about to go through and just executing because the importance of having life insurance in force is so much greater yes. than the different steps along the way.
0: Yes, definitely. So that let's start there. Let's start with just your your perspective of kind of an underwriter's perspective of life insurance and and what the purpose of the underwriting process is. Sure.
1: So life insurance to the consumer is taken out for various reasons. They work with their advisor, maybe it's a Barnum advisor, about what their need is. Uh, They may need uh, term life insurance, they may need the whole life, whatever they decide upon. We know most important coverage is just the coverage that's enforced when you unfortunately pass away, uh, for, for the benefit of your loved ones, for whatever that goal was. From an underwriting perspective, so if you flip that lens, the underwriter is really just there to assess the risk. So how likely is that insured? How likely is that client to pass away prematurely? And when we say prematurely, from what they've determined is when that person should, from an actuarial standpoint, Mm. pass away. So they're literally assessing the risk of that individual dying before the terms of when they expected that person to pass away.
0: So great, great place to start. So from the consumer standpoint, when you purchase a policy, you have to think about how long you're living and how long you have to plan for. The underwriter is has the unfortunate job of doing the exact opposite. Correct.
1: Correct. Assessing how likely you are um, to either outlive the terms of that policy or to, for the benefit of the insurance company, take in as much or potentially more income from that policy, yeah. right? In order uh, to have it be a win-win for both for both
0: parties. That's right, because essentially the underwriting process will determine your premium, right? That will determine how much you pay.
1: 100%.
0: And that is going to vary based
1: on the carrier, type, your age at the time of underwriting, as well as all the various factors we're gonna talk through today as a, as a
0: result of this, this conversation. Great, so start with, pretend you're a consumer, And take us through step one, take us through where the consumer starts.
1: Uh, They can start in a variety of ways, especially in the current market. So you can be working with an advisor who is a full service planner and maybe someone who can walk you through the various... Aspects of what's available, mm-hmm. um, they may be representative of multiple carriers. They may be representative of of one company as a whole, but basically, they are going to be able to walk the individual through the process, which really won't deviate. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we can talk about some specified underwriting programs that certain carriers might have that might be beneficial for a certain age group um, or a certain risk factor Mm -hmm. that we're going to talk through. But for the most part, they should be talking with the client about what to expect from that process as a whole, based on their age mainly, and then some basic broad health questions that the agent should be
0: talking with the advisor about. Beautiful. Let me interrupt you. And that's after I would imagine they've had the conversation of the amount That the person is going to need, that the consumer is going to need for whatever their purpose is. Certainly. And of course, the type, because there's various types of life insurance. So after you have that conversation, now we go into underwriting.
1: Absolutely. And that's where it can get a little bit tricky. Um, As I alluded to a little bit earlier, there are tons Mm -hmm. of online options. If you go in right now in the little Google machine and, and type in life insurance, there'll probably be five online tools where you can apply right online just because information is so readily available. Yeah. That is a very different decision-making process than working with an advisor. And some of those companies may be representative of companies your advisor could be working with as well. It is out there. So just
0: be... Cognizant of that. And I love that. And I'm just curious, what is your opinion on the accuracy? Because, yes, you could do the full underwriting process uh, digitally now, but mainly there's just a ton of places to get pricing. Absolutely. What's your best guess on accuracy <laughs> there? Not going to hold you to it. Nothing's written in stone, just from your professional perspective.
1: So what's very interesting about those online sort of mechanisms is the honesty of the individual when mm. they're populating. So I think my answer would be skewed to you because based on maybe there's five questions, maybe there's 10 yes. that the little online tool is going to ask that is going to be predictive of where they're going to send you next. Yes. Because most of these tools that want to approve you right then and there, you have to look like maybe 8% of the population to really fly right through there. Everything else is going to spit you into an algorithm that's going to look like traditional underwriting yes. that we're going to talk about today um, or spit you out to another vendor company or something along those yes. lines. So without getting into privacy sharing and data, you know, you'd have to really sign your life away at that point in time. Yes. I would probably say that that only, there's probably between an 8 and 10% true approval rating of doing that online. And then everything else is really going to turn into what we're going to talk about today with traditional yes,
0: underwriting. Yes, because at the end of the day, Amelia, and the listeners are going to, they know this or they're going to hear this. The underwriting process is a bit invasive. Absolutely. Right. It's, it's very much like getting a, getting a, getting a mortgage and it's no matter how you twist it or turn it, especially with your health, like with a mortgage, it's more about your financial health, but this is your physical health and, and it's tough. So when you put your information into a quoting tool, there's no one sitting across from you that you have to say these things out loud to. So it's easier to fudge a number, bring your weight down 20 or 30 pounds. There's no one going to double check it. But then when they do go to verify that. Absolutely. That's when things change. Absolutely. Got it. Okay, great. So take us through what should a consumer expect through the underwriting process? Absolutely. So there are
1: some pieces of the process that regardless of where you apply through, they're going to look very similar. So, traditionally speaking, uh, life insurance was done kind of paper and pen, agent came out and took down all your information. Now, a lot of that is actually done online. Mm-hmm. But the first piece is going to be what you're applying for. It's Mm -hmm. going to be basic information about you, where you live, who the beneficiaries of this policy are, what the intent is to a certain extent of what the insurance is, uh, and financial, financial baseline justification for what it is that you're looking for. Then we'll move into what we call a part two scenario. The part two can be a physical piece of documentation that the client fills out. It can also be an online, uh, tool that the client fills out or sent a link, a secure link in order to do that. That can be helpful because it's reflexive. Mm -hmm. So how you answer a question may, uh, quantify whether or not you need the next question, Mm -hmm. but it's all going to be about your medical history. Mm -hmm. So health history, uh, typical look back period is about 10 years. Have you had these conditions? Family history yeah. is major, which a lot of people do not consider uh, when considering the underwriting process overall. But family history has a huge, huge impact on that mortality again. So I think it's important to pause there, actually. You've mentioned the word health a couple of times. Uh, it's very confusing a lot of times for the consumer. Mm-hmm. I'm healthy as a horse. I run every day. I go to the mm-hmm. gym every day. I do CrossFit every day. Yep. And mortality factors. So things that you may be recording on this part two, as part of your own medical history, maybe prescription drugs that you take. And then again, family history, maybe telling a completely different story than your actual health day to day and how you're feeling.
0: Yes. Yes. So if I, you know, we have, I have breast cancer in my family now uh, to date, you know, I'm, I'm healthy and I think I live a healthy lifestyle, but that is factored into the underwriting, the underwriting
1: process, outcome potentially. Uh, And again, various carriers may look at that history a little bit different. They may ask for extra testing actually as well to sort of clear the air on you, the applicant, as opposed to just being, you know, uh, uh, an age
0: and a a female. Yep. So when, how does the consumer start the process? Do they start it in a face-to-face conversation with the advisor? I think you mentioned some basic health questions. What do those look like?
1: Really good question. So if you're working with an advisor who essentially knows their stuff, mm-hmm. they're going to ask you some of those, those baseline questions up front. Mm-hmm. Um, how is, if they are sitting belly to belly with mm-hmm. you, essentially, what is your height and weight? Mm-hmm. That is a huge factor sort of charted out in most algorithms of what you qualify for from okay. a baseline level. What uh, what is your family history look like? Any history of cancer for you? High blood pressure, mm-hmm. cardiac, uh, any kidney type diseases, baseline stuff.
0: I would imagine like smoking.
1: Smoking for sure. Mm-hmm. So, comp- sort of a completely different uh, conversation nowadays okay. as well. And then, major one. Per- what drugs are you on? Okay. Pretty much everybody's on some Something. type of prescription drug. Mm-hmm. Uh, some can be considered very benign from a life insurance underwriting standpoint. Some would be considered a little bit. Um, a little bit more aggressive. In okay, sorry. No, 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 don't be sorry. In go ahead. Um, so smoking, yep. I was gonna kind of bucket those. Yep. Um, they may ask you about lifestyle. So oh, okay. smoking, um, drinking. Got it again, some of these things can be okay, yes. quote unquote, from a life insurance underwriting perspective, but you may be looking at a different bucket or tier and then price. Yes. So really important to be honest on a lot of these factors, because if we do move into the additional underwriting requirements, they're all going to come out in the wash.
0: That's what I was just going to say. What is the advisor doing with this preliminary information? For sure. What
1: they should be doing is advising out you on what to expect okay. for an outcome. Okay. So got it. An either, outcome as far as price. Got it. Yes. Um that you could expect you're gonna fly right through this process. You may become um come out potentially rated or in a, and I don't want to use this term, but worst case scenario, do we need to go to some type of guaranteed issue coverage? Because the coverage is that important at the time of your death to have in force that yes, you may be paying over and above. It may be a face amount that's not ideal, but you have something. And so by having that upfront conversation, they're setting those expectations appropriately with you. They should also be based on those those basic questions. Um, determining a lot of these additional steps that you'll more than likely need to expect. And then timeline. Life insurance underwriting has been going on since the early 1900s, (laughs) and it's really (laughs) not that much better. No, um, I kid. But the general factors of needing to have specimens taken yeah. and needing to go back out to your doctors for clarification, they have not changed. Yeah, They have not changed. And again, to our earlier conversation about online and algorithmic, most scenarios are going to go down that path as well. Yeah. So it's just being prepared for this might be a process that takes me 30 or 60 days and we shouldn't really be blinded by that life insurance is going to be a A quick, quick little uh, walk in the park. You mentioned the mortgage industry, very similar. Underwriters are going to come back with follow-ups and maybe additional requirements. And that's really what my team facilitates.
0: Yes. But I love how you said when you're having that conversation with your advisor as awkward as it may be, being honest is so important because I think from what I heard from you, the advisor is looking for red flags that are going to put a kink in the process or that they know from their experience is going to take extra long or that will increase the price or that just may be no-goes, unfortunately. Things that they hear that, you know, they may say right off the bat, I'm not really sure. We should maybe go in a different direction. And then you have that conversation.
1: For sure. Yes. That's definitely something And you'll know that you're working with an advisor who is is doing what's right by each consumer or client if they do stop that. Or they do tell you about some of the tougher things
0: to expect. Yes. Because they're trying to set that expectation up front. Yes. Yes. And even if you're healthy, the process just takes long. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. There's no way around that. There's, it's just, and you're going to go through kind of where those bottlenecks are, but it just takes a while. It so, does. so understanding that up front. Sure. Okay. So as a consumer, I'm sitting with my advisor, we did this preliminary kind of questionnaire or this preliminary medical, the advisor didn't hear anything crazy. So I'm going to move through the underwriting process. Now what?
1: Uh, so a couple things we mentioned, uh, that part one, so baseline and information that's going to get in front of an underwriter, Mm -hmm. uh, then that part two information is going to get in front of the underwriter, whether it's that paper and pen document we spoke about or whether the client does it as an additional step electronically, just again, depending on the vendor, the carrier's process, Mm -hmm. they will determine at that point in time or age may determine at that point in time, whether a medical exam is required. And a medical exam is an appointment where you can either go to a diagnostic type of center mm-hmm. or have an examiner come out to your home or place of work. Mm-hmm. And they're going to ask you some more questions mm-hmm. and make sure that everything matches apples to apples from a validation standpoint. They're also going to likely take some specimens from you as well as some physical measurements. So they will actually take your height and your weight. They will take your blood pressure uh, and they will take typically take your blood pressure a couple of times just to make sure there's no anomalies there. And then the wonderful specimen process uh, will be taken. So typically that's blood and a urine sample. Yeah. Uh, they will then package those up in a very secure way. We call it the chain of custody will not be broken. So those will go uh, via an overnight type of service to a lab And then those specimens, those labs are run for a particular set of tests that the underwriter is looking for. So those labs are not sent to your doctor. They're sent to the insurance carrier. One hundred percent. After the fact, you can ask for a copy of the labs or the lab report to be sent to your doctor, uh, which is an actually a very interesting factor for some individuals, one of the most surprising things that's happened through my career is we actually find something Ugh. on behalf of a client that ha- they had no idea based on levels or a so, lab
0: test that's taken. So, wait a minute. So, the client will apply for insurance. You, through the advisor, through the, they'll get a medical done, their blood and urine done, send it off to the lab. The labs come, come back with results. And then the advisor or or someone on your team will have to say, oh, we, you know, we can't give you the, what, what we expected for whatever reason, you should go talk to your doctor. That's And that's literally what the conversation oh, is. Oh my gosh. And that's how somebody could potentially find out that so there's something going on.
1: So there are obviously protective um, rules, regulations in place, mainly HIPAA in this <clears> particular <throat> situation. So there are definitely things that we do not speak to sure. the advisor about um, or the underwriter doesn't even speak to sure, us about, yeah. but they will say- the client should be advised to consult with their Consulting medical doctor. doctor. Um, the client can always obtain a secure copy of those labs, even if if n- sure. n- nothing's wrong or happen yep. or happens, uh, they can typically go on a website and put in their personal information and, and grab a copy of those. Uh, sometimes it goes in the industry is like they get a free medical yeah, exam. Yeah, well, that's what will. I was just
0: thinking. And, and thank goodness, like, I mean, that's a terrible way sure. to find out something that you didn't expect. I mean, my heart goes out to anyone who that happens to, but at the end of the day, you're still finding out. Sure. So, so thank gosh for that process. But yeah, I was going to ask you if people do use it for
1: that. <laughs> for that Haven't reason. been to the doctor in a while. So, but that you raise a really interesting point about how underwriting is different than what your doctor might say about you. So remember health versus mortality, the labs that the insurance company, and and sometimes those vary insurance company to insurance company based on how they rate particular conditions. uh, They're not going to look apples to apples to what you might have just gone for blood work six weeks ago. Yeah, that's true. So even though we'll talk about this, they may request Records from your medical doctor and those labs might be a part of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not going to be all the levels Mm -hmm. that you are testing for and also specific maybe to the urine sample that the insurance company cares about, if you will then, you know, hey, I just had a
0: doctor's appointment. Does that work? Yes. Not particularly. Got it. Yes. So you can't say that you don't need a medical because you were just at the doctor's. It doesn't work that way. Absolutely. Which is always where I get tied up. I'm like, I just went for my physical. Why do I have to do this again? But this is also a good time to realize, like, you can't fib on these things. Like when you're, no matter if you're talking to the advisor, if you're talking to the medical examiner, like you can't lie if you say you don't smoke, they're going to see it in your blood, right? Like you. if you say you're not X or your weight is X, they're going to weigh you at some point. So um, this is not the time to kind of fudge something. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And with... The information that is so readily available from an electronic standpoint, and this isn't obviously to scare consumers either, also be cognizant of, you could be in that scenario, one, that eight to 10% I talked about, fly right through the process and the insurance company will audit files from time to time. Mm. So medical records might come in or they may run a check, a prescription check, let's say again, Mm -hmm. and realize, hey, we got to go back to this client and we've seen coverage rescinded Mm-hmm. We've seen coverage re-rated. Oh, wow. So you're paying X, now. you're going to pay Y. And, and again, I think worst case scenario is rescinded because essentially you just lied. You, you falsified information. So we don't even want you as a risk. Sure. Just based on that premise alone.
0: Yes. So whatever you say, it's being verified in this medical exam. Sure. And then what happens? So you do your, your blood and urine. You have that initial height and weight test by the examiner. Um, the examiner sends... Uh, your results to the lab in a secure manner. They go to the insurance carrier and then, and then what? Great. You got the time on spot on. So typically those
1: labs will be run in the lab and the results come back between four and five business days, mm-hmm. the underwriter at that point in time will typically move to your full file. So they'll look at everything once more. Um, and each additional checks that are electronic based that have come in. So things like a motor vehicle report's going to be mm-hmm. run on you from a risk okay, standpoint, um, crazy drivers. Yes. Uh, baseline credit might get run Baseline. We're not we're not digging deep unless you are looking for a financial qualification over and above. So there are some scenarios we can talk about that uh, look like uh, high net worth. Individuals mm-hmm. or uh, folks that are going to be applying for XYZ now and then XYZ in the future may underwrite for a full amount and just get more requirements than are needed. Mm-hmm. But from um, a general information standpoint, those are going to be your major pieces. So, MVR, prescription check, and a, and, a, and a baseline credit check. Once they have that full file, the underwriter will determine hey, I have enough information. Or I got to go back to your medical doctor to really substantiate some of the stuff that's going on. Either your answers to questions or to find out how the doctor has determined you should be handling this condition that you have that could be completely manageable Mm -hmm. and completely benign. But are you taking those appropriate steps Um, or have has the doctor? And this is really the hang up piece for a lot of cases that take a while. Has the doctor recommended that you do additional testing and you haven't done it yet. Yes. So you need it. You you showed X. It was inconclusive. Mm -hmm. They recommended Y in six months. Hasn't been six months. Or you didn't do it six months. So now you're scheduling some type
0: of procedure and getting to verify that something, you know, hopefully does not exist. Correct. Now in that situation, will they just not give you a rating? Yep. Yeah. So there's
1: a couple things that could happen. Um, They'll postpone the file, just postpone a reading. Everything will remain open depending on how long that takes. You may or may not have to re-sign some stale dated mm-hmm. documents or, or what have you, but the file will sort of remain the same. Your labs will still be good. Typically, depending on your age, your labs are actually good for a year mm-hmm. once they've been run mm-hmm. at the lab and, and the test mm-hmm. results are good for a okay. year, we say. After a certain age, um, it might be more like six months. Um, and just while we're on the age uh, topic. Sometimes if you're over a certain age, they may also order an APS at the beginning of the process. So uh, an APS, by the way, is stands for attending physician statement. It's medical records. Those are your records. So if you're at an age where you should be seeing a doctor every year as part of your general health yeah. and wellness, they're gonna they're just gonna order that right outside the gate to make sure you're going yes. for lack of for lack of better words. Um and you'll still have all of that documentation unearthed by your part two, as well as your medical exam.
0: And I would imagine, I mean, if they're order, they're ordering medical records from, you know, like I have three or four different doctors, right? They're ordering all of those records. How does that work? What, how long does that take? (sighs) I'm, I'm overwhelmed just thinking about that for one person. Absolutely. Um,
1: it can take a while. (laughs) Yeah. I gotta be honest with you. Sure. So, um, there are vendors actually who help facilitate this process. They will reach out to your doctor's office on the insurance company's behalf or on your behalf, essentially to get those, um, as quickly as possible. Um, some doctor's offices do use medical records, vendors or we call them copy services that can take an exorbitant amount of time. Sure. If a client really is like, hey, I'm hot to trot. I need to get this coverage. A lot of times they'll help. They'll call their doctor's office. They'll uh, go on their portal. Yeah pull information oh. down for us. Of course, we like to have that weight glove service here and not yes. have that expectation. But listen, if it's going to help the process rather than wait 30 days for some stranger to copy it. Yeah. They, they may do that. And there's no way to fudge that, right? Like a client can't like lose sheet five, you right. know? Exactly. Exactly. And it's important that you raised a really good point. You could see four doctors, they may really only care about the PCP or a cardiac doctor if, if you were asked to go for a workup. Mm-hmm. They may even only care about that one visit that mm-hmm. you saw that particular doctor. Oh, fair. They're really just trying to
0: essentially clear the air on that particular concern. And I would imagine is that where the bulk in a, in a perfect situation, Amelia, it's, you know, this is unicorn and rainbows. How long does the life insurance process take? That's
1: all really going to depend on that age and amount uh, chart that we really talked about. I would safely say industry-wide, you're looking at about 45 days for the process from start to finish. Again, you're an engaged client who is willing to to help the process out, Um, can can shift that in either direction. Um, You're on the spot about getting your medical exam. Most examiners or companies, if you're able to go to a quest diagnostics or something like that, you're able to be seen in two to three days. Yeah. So if you're if you're on the ball about it, 45 days feels about right. Okay. As an average. Okay. We have seen it sure. takes six months. Oh, of course. And then, you know, there's other factors as well. You may get a medical approval. So whether that's a rated or or a best class reading and then need to do trust work. So your advisor is working with you and Mm -hmm. saying like, well, these aren't going to be personally owned. They're going to be owned by a trust. Mm -hmm. So that may stall the actual issuance of the policy being in force. But
0: for our purposes, the underwriting is done. A good 45 days. And a lot of that I would imagine is just hunting down this information. For sure. It's not like it's 45 active days that the consumer has to do work. It's just... It's just the time it takes for the underwriter to get what they need. Sure. Is this process, Amelia, universal? For the most part, mm-hmm. yes.
1: There aren't outside of, again, you being that sort of perfect specimen or having algorithmic factors that help most vendor carriers, insurance companies using those terms you know, integrated, have some type of algorithmic process here. They are trying to get those best ratings out in front of. Uh, those candidates as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. Just get those risks in force and then spend their time, spend their underwriting dollars on um, clients who need the full-fledged process. But
0: all in all, it's about the same. It's about the same. Yes. You talked in the beginning, and I'm dying to get into this, the technical side of underwriting. So like You know, when someone says you can get life insurance in seven minutes, like, is that accurate or do you have to be like a superhuman to take advantage of that? Like, can the normal person do that? Talk to us about that, that those types of advertisements.
1: You do sort of have to be superhuman. And it's an interesting question because you have to be superhuman, but also have enough digital footprint to prove you're superhuman.
0: So it's not
1: okay also to be, let's say- Take my word for it. (laughs) Well, be 21 years old and hit none of the checks. They're Uh going to say, oh, who knows? Yes. (laughs) And you'll spit into regular underwriting. So you have to be literally perfect. You have to have enough information digitally for them to obtain- so enough benign prescriptions and a clean NVR and 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 the end. Okay. Um, so you, you can't have like no records. Like between that's really and no. what it is. I've, I've never gone to the doctor. That's before. really I'm so healthy. That's really what it is. We've actually underwritten tw- twins. So. 17, 18 years old. So enough of a digital print. print. They have a driver's license. Mm-hmm. They're hitting some of these um, okay. medical information pieces. But one twin gets approved algorithmically. The other one says, nope, you go. Get sh- out. You do, do not pass go. Get out. And just literally because they're different humans, yes. right? And they just
0: didn't pass the algorithm. Yes. It's almost like credit. How when you're younger, you, ha- <laughs> yes. you have no credit. So, you, yes. you know, so your credit score is low because you have have none. Yes. Have nothing to show that you can pay. So that's interesting. It's yes. the same. Yes. And we
1: refer to it a lot of times as that digital footprint. Digital so. footprint.
0: What's included in that? Like what?
1: Be so specific. anything that's pu- public record in terms of also underwriting factors that mm-hmm. they care about, you know, they're not going to Google you and find out if you are an all-state athlete per se. <laughs> but that should count. But it It should. And for, some, but it doesn't, for doesn't. some professional athletes, it might give them a oh, little bit more. But okay. um, unfortunately, your softball <laughs> tournament in high school doesn't really apply. Darn. Um, so medical records, again, baseline credit stuff. And really, at this point, it would be prescription history. Okay. So as long as everything look pretty pretty, much was public. public. Yes, that's Got public. It. There's also something called the MIB or Medical Information Bureau, which is also public record those are without getting too too technical coding so if you've applied for life insurance every year for the last 7 years and never taken the life insurance that's going to pop oh they're going to say get out uh, it, and they may not but yes. they're definitely looking at yes. how did this get coded if you got rated and didn't take it how did that get coded okay. um so that's all once an underwriting outcome has been determined will feed into that medical information bureau. database.
0: Oh, that's so interesting. What about all of this health information that my iPhone is collecting, like all these health apps I use? How does any of that come into play? So there were a couple of carriers, a couple of
1: vendors that pre-COVID were like very hot to try on this. They had full underwriting programs that gave you a tracker tracker. and said, uh, you know, use this and, and we'll tell you what credits you apply for in terms of your life insurance. I'm not sure that it worked from an algorithmic standpoint, because if you are to Google that topic, most of the articles are from 2019, 2020. Mm. I think it more morphed into the health insurance space and getting credit for your activity or your steps and credits that way. I'm not sure if on medical underwriting ever hit how it affected mortality. You think it will? I think more information will start to be prevalent and it will impact the life insurance space differently. I don't know if your eye watch is ever gonna really impact
0: really. Because I close my rings like almost every day. Well, tell your doctor and have that be part of your medical. I will. <laughs> history, I will. And that'll be very helpful. I was hoping I could just send you know them a screenshot and and they take my word for it and I can get a break in premium.
1: But they do real. You know, advisors really do sometimes like to tell us. You know, my client runs marathons and we're like, well, <laughs> that's fabulous. But from a mortality yes. standpoint, not yes. really. Um, and so that's really what we've seen. Yes. In, in terms of the information that can be. Gathered, it's it, it is sort of health information and not necessarily mortality or underwriting information
0: yes. per se. Yes. Both equally important. Absolutely. Still keep running those marathons.
1: I'm going to still you keep got closing it. my rings. Listen, it's still impacting that height and weight, yes. so we care. About yes, it, so. yes.
0: There you go. Oh, perfect. Along those lines, Amelia, I'm curious for a friend, <laughs> asking for a friend. <laughs> Where does, you know, kind of um, recreational marijuana, alcohol, where do all these little vices sit on this spectrum? Do Are they accounted for in any way, shape or form? Again, asking for a friend.
1: Well, you don't really have to ask for a friend anymore,
0: <laughs> right? Um,
1: because the, the things you named specifically are becoming legal in most states, mm-hmm. right? So um, insurance companies had to sort of Not change, I won't use that, but flex on how they consider some of these pieces. So you'll see a variety of things. Some carriers don't actually test urine for marijuana. Okay. They test for all other uh, types of drugs. And most of those other drugs are going to kick you right out to a decline status. Mm-hmm. Um, so certainly if you do partake, you are not going to want to partake prior to your medical <laughs> exam. Okay. And we'll talk about best, we'll talk about other scenarios, best case uh, outcomes yes. uh, for, for that medical exam as well. But Marijuana really was always more so considered because of the way you had to ingest it. You had to smoke it. So we haven't focused a lot on the smoker rating. I think because a lot of people don't smoke anymore. Um, But certainly if there is any nicotine, nicotine cessation drugs, anything in your urine, you are getting a smoker rating. And again, I use this term before do not pass go. Mm -hmm. You're not getting another chance. Yeah. So you're either taking the coverage and waiting a year to potentially reapply as a non-smoker. But if it hits, you're getting that smoker rating. So some carriers consider the ingesting of the marijuana, a smoker rating. Okay, okay, um, and they will. Some other carriers will test for the marijuana, and bada bing, bada boom, you mm-hmm. see how that see that how that that works. That goes. Some carriers, because they're asking you the question as well, so they're getting your labs, but they're also asking. Um, consider things like cigar smoking, so celebratory cigars, sure. maybe one or two a month, sure. if you are open and honest about that, um, and you do pop for. Um, Something in your urine, Mm -hmm. they will consider that because it will match what Mm -hmm. you applied for, right? That you're a cigar smoker and you may qualify for non-smoker ratings. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that's the biggest one up front is, is the marijuana. And Mm -hmm. I think that's probably where we'll see more carriers shift um, to maybe not testing for it or looking at it in a different way. Well,
0: looking at it almost like alcohol, like we talked about in the prep call where it's like, you know, once to twice a week, two to three times a week, you know, or you, you have a problem. So I would imagine it's it's taken into consideration like that.
1: Um, to a certain extent. Yes. Mm-hmm. So if And I don't want you to think there are some knockout tests in the blood and urine, but there are also some where a company may come back out to you with, a sheet that asks you to answer some more specific questions okay. about recreational types of use. So they may ask you questions about alcohol use or, you know, drug use and, and how often or what the history of it was, if if you were honest about it and now it doesn't exist or it's in your medical records yep. and now we're kind of talking through it. Yep. So I don't want consumers to think like, oh, I'm out, no. I, you know, because yes, I, I had quite the life in college but uh, they will ask you some more qualifying questions again to determine how would that, is that impacting your overall mortality
0: risk? Sure, and I, I would imagine that's a conversation that you would have with your advisor and, and they would steer you in the direction. That's your that's your best course. For that's sure. That's gonna give you the very best outcome of success. S-
1: very similar to how a company might look at breast cancer history mm-hmm. differently than another one. Got it. Some may be a little bit more flexible on marijuana usage or alcohol usage or, or what have you.
0: Oh, got it. Speaking of that, and we'll close up after this, but um, can you give everybody some tips on how to maximize that medical exam. So you've submitted all your information and now they are coming back and say, oh, Elizabeth, you're not as healthy as you think you are. You're you're not as stellar as you think you are. We need to give you a medical. We're gonna have someone come out to your house next week to give blood and urine and height and weight. Could you just give us some tips on how to maximize that? Absolutely.
1: Um, first is, if you're not feeling so good, cancel or postpone. If something's going on with you Oh, interesting. health yeah. and wellness wise, don't try to win the race, right? Yes. I'm going to meet this appointment. You're not going right? to get any wards. That is correct. Yes. And don't be a hero. Yes. Cancel or postpone. If you're just not feeling your best, God forbid there's something super benign, but then again, pops and now we're ordering medical records yes. for something ridiculous, right? Great point. Um, good night's sleep. Be really well rested. I typically recommend to do a morning appointment, but if you're not a morning person, you can certainly do it in the afternoon. Uh, most of the tests they're running are not fasting tests, right, like when you're yeah ask. when your your doctor um, sends you for those types of tests. But you should eat well that day if you are in the afternoon meeting well balanced Mm -hmm. you know have have your best breakfast and lunch Mm -hmm. not eat mcdonald's Mm -hmm. before before the appointment because you're rushing
0: that's not an ice cream for lunch type of day no it
1: is not it is not uh water cannot say enough about it from two standpoints number one water is the nectar of the gods you should be drinking water but number two it's going to be very hard to take urine sample from you if you say have drink water all day. My first glass was an hour ago. Sure. You're gonna be sitting with this examiner till, sure. <laughs> till you can yeah. go. Yeah. Essentially, it also can have a really, really tough impact on your blood draw. Yeah. So if you know that you're someone who typically has a tough time giving blood, certainly let your advisor know that too. So we can try to work out where you can get your blood drawn, but also know, like, I need to drink a lot of water. I need mm-hmm. to make sure I'm well hydrated so that sample goes, um, goes well, goes correctly. Um, actually don't do any heavy exercise. So if you're oh, somebody who does, you <laughs> does run That's those one excuse marathons or like my crossfitting husband, uh-huh. you're not going to rush, you know, off the machine, I'll skip the gym
0: that day Yes,
1: to your appointment. Um, it can actually, uh, throw off your blood test results as well. Certain, okay. um, certain okay. levels will pop after exercise. Um, Try to avoid caffeine can have a impact on blood pressure Mm -hmm. and similar to it's hard because some people don't love the idea of having any type of medical exam, Mm -hmm. but you really don't want your blood pressure to pop. So be sure to try to be calm and just, you know, approach the, the exam like from a less anxious place. Okay. And I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think those are what, great. What, I what, would ne, I would never have thought of some of those, so those were great. One of the most major misconceptions is the fasting thing. Mm-hmm. Um because people oftentimes equate blood tests to best results are fasting results. Fasting results are ordered by your doctor. They're not okay. anything to do with what levels are being ordered here. So don't fast, especially okay. if you have an afternoon appointment. Yeah,
0: the working out, the drinking water. If you're not feeling well, I would never have <laughs> thought of those. Those were great. So thank you for that. This was amazing. Amelia, this no one, this is like the unseen part of life insurance that nobody (laughs) underwriting the untold story. The untold story. That's what we're gonna title this episode. (laughs) But you never talk about this part of the process. And you could tell by your level of expertise that you know what you're talking about. And we said this in the beginning, and it's important enough that we need to say it again. Life insurance is so critical to your, to your financial future, to your portfolio, that as tough as the underwriting could process could be, it does not hold any weight as to the importance of how, of, of how important life insurance is. So do not let it stand in the way of you getting the proper coverage for yourself and your family.
1: Could not agree more. And thanks for the opportunity to t- to really talk about something that can seem overwhelming. We do- we actually kind of pause <laughs> at various points like, wow, that's overwhelming. Yes. It can be, uh, but it is so super important, so super important. Um, and hopefully you're going through the process at a time in your life where you can get coverage that will remain with you mm-hmm. or that might be convertible yep. and really hold on to that, to that health health and wellness reading as it pertains to to your mortality and from an underwriting perspective.
0: Beautiful. Beautifully said. Thank you again, Amelia, for being here. And that is our show for today. Thank you for listening to Master Your Money. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Every little bit helps. You can also follow us on our Instagram at Barnum Financial Group. If you're interested in connecting or working with a financial advisor at the Barnum Financial Group, the links are in the show notes of this episode. All opinions expressed by the program participants are solely their current opinions and do not reflect the opinions their respective parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the program participants are affiliated. Investments or strategies mentioned in this program may not be suitable for you, and you should make your own independent decision regarding them. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. You should strongly consider seeking advice from your own investment advisor. Securities and investment advisory services offered through qualified registered representatives of MML Investor Services, LLC. Member SIPC, 6 Corporate Drive, Shelton, Connecticut, 06484, telephone number 203- 513-6000. Five one three six thousand.